you are a Locked On Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley, Jake Mastriani with you after game one of the National League Division Series. And unfortunately for the Braves, against this Philadelphia Phillies club, it was more of the same. It was just a different year. And unfortunately for the Braves offense, it wasn't what we have become accustomed to seeing from that group. Most certainly a 3-0 shutout victory as Ranger Suarez and six Phillies relievers limited Atlanta's offense to just five singles and picked up the 3-0 win and thus take game one of this best three out of five National League Division Series. we got a lot to talk about. The performance of Spencer Strider, the disappointment of the offense. We'll get you set up for game two and some news on a Braves starter who we were hoping to see in this series. And now we will not see him again until perhaps 2025. And that, of course, is Kyle Wright. We'll get into all of that. But before we do that, I want to tell you to subscribe to Lockdown Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube. Click that bell. You get notified every time we drop a new episode. Make sure you leave us a like and a comment. We appreciate those. And be sure to, to tell a friend and share the show. That helps us grow. And make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Braves wherever you get your podcasts. With all that stuff out of the way, Jake, unfortunately for Atlanta, despite getting the pitching performance that we felt like they needed to have, the offense was unable to answer the bell against the Philadelphia Phillies in round one of what we were imagining was going to be quite the rematch between these two teams. Certainly a disappointment. You want to get off to a better start than last year and try to change that narrative and weren't able to do that. Like you said, despite a really good start by Spencer Strider, best offense in baseball didn't show up in game one. No, they did not look like the best offense in baseball. And that I think is where it all has to start. We'll get into Spencer Strider. We'll of course talk about what the Phillies did because as uh, hearing from Brian Snitker and being in that clubhouse after this game and talking to a lot of these guys, I mean, they felt like it was as much about what the Phillies did as what the Braves were unable to do offensively, if that makes sense. In other words, Philadelphia Phillies pitching was able to execute the Braves offense, despite, I felt, really doing everything that they could do to be prepared and not have that layoff and not have that rust that they had a year ago when they just went through traditional practices. They played those three scrimmage games. You kind of felt like guys were getting their work in. The hitters were able to kind of keep some timing, and they were able to keep that normal schedule. It just didn't seem to really make that much of a difference. But, Jake, I think there is a big difference in you know going up against some guys who are all, again, trying to just stay on their schedule and keep their timing as opposed to competitors who are out there trying to get you out and pitching the biggest innings on the biggest stage that you can play on. You can play as many sim games as you want. We talked about it. You know, it's nothing like, you know, this type of atmosphere and environment and, and these types of games. And it's just hard to keep – that timing and that competitive nature. I mean, the Braves clinched what four weeks ago. Uh, they clinched the division. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's an excuse and I hate to keep making it. At some point, you got to just get over that and you got to be prepared the best you can and make plays. But I mean, you look at today's action and three of the top seeds go down. The Astros, again, the only team able to win, you know, game one. So there's certainly something to that. But regardless, Phillies pitchers, I mean, it was a great game plan by Rob Thompson. Suarez kind of, you know, confused the Braves hitters, kept them off balance a couple times through the order, and then you got the off day tomorrow. You got Zach Wheeler in game two, so you could unload that bullpen in your best mm -hmm. arms, and they were just able to keep the Braves off the board and silence them the rest of the game. So I thought it was a great strategy by Rob Thompson, and I just thought Braves hitters, they were late on a lot of fastballs, which would tell you the timing's just not quite there. You're not accustomed to seeing that from this Braves offense and just really weren't able to get anything going. And when they had opportunities, the fourth, fifth, eighth inning, just weren't able to come up with that big hit. 
Yeah, we'll get into that offense a little bit later, but here's the line score for game one of this National League Division Series matchup. Philadelphia Phillies, three runs on six hits, no errors. They left seven men on base. Braves shut out on five hits, all singles, couple of errors, and we're going to have to talk about those, of course, and seven men left on, and the Braves were hitless with runners in scoring position. They had five opportunities and were unable to come up with a hit, and you know, a couple of those, it was just some uh, the lack of of maybe that timing and maybe the layoff was something that had contributed, if you will. But a great play by Trey Turner was also, I think, a game changer in that eighth inning. And we'll get to that, of course, momentarily as well. The win goes to Jeff Hoffman in relief. I feel like he probably did the least of any Phillies reliever, but he did enough to vulture himself a win in game one. Loss goes to Spencer Strider, and this is very much the dictionary definition of a tough luck loss. Despite seven innings of two-run ball for Spencer, he takes that loss, and Craig Kimbrell picks up the save. It is his second of the postseason. Uh, looking at this from the pitching side of things, I think we have to start with Spencer Strider and then get into this Braves offense because it was exactly what you needed to see. And we know flashing back a year ago, Spencer Strider did not come into that start against the Philadelphia Phillies with the kind of momentum that he wanted to have in the postseason. And thus the Phillies were able to jump all over him. And having come off that injury, it just wasn't the Spencer Strider we were accustomed to seeing. Prior to this, and obviously outside of that start in the postseason, Spencer Strider in the regular season against the Phillies has appeared against them eight times. He is 8-0. and In the postseason, he has faced them twice. He has lost both of those games. This one, though, a much better outing. Two runs, one earned on five hits, a couple of walks, eight strikeouts, allowed a home run to Bryce Harper, had a throwing error on a pickoff that I, I know led to the first run of the day for the Phillies. But, Jake, I think we knew that you needed that strong performance from Spencer Strider. I, I know that that error was in there. He gave up that solo shot to Harper. I feel like you can live with that. But when you get seven innings of two runs or less from a starter with this Braves offense's ability, you need to find a way to win that game. And certainly with home field advantage being something that kind of moves back to the Philly side of things now that they get to host two of the next three games, this was about as must-win as must-win gets. We talked about it coming in. When you get a performance like this from Strider or Free, these have to be wins, and the Braves weren't able to do that. And now all the all the advantage right now is on the Phillies, Phillies with Wheeler and Nola coming in the next two games. This was a great performance by Strider. And while he may have been upset with it and obviously it sounded like he didn't want to come out of the game, right. he did everything he could. And I think if you would have asked any Braves fan coming into it, say seven innings, two earned from Strider, Anybody would have taken that and probably said the Braves win this game fairly easily. But when you don't score any runs, you can't, can't win games, Grant. That is the way that no. it goes here. So, uh, but a great job by Strider. I mean, if you know, puts all doubt behind, you know, out of his mind and anybody's mind for what happened in the postseason last year. This is a Strider we're accustomed to seeing 22 whiffs on 50 swings. You know, that slider was great. You know, you had the Phillies early being aggressive, trying to hunt that fastball and basically just guessing and trying to go after that fastball, which you've seen teams do this year and still was able to battle through it. Great play in the first inning to keep a run off the board there as well. And then really kind of just settled in, like you said, other than the air and the bad pitch to, to Harper, who's, one of the best players in baseball. I mean, you couldn't have asked for much more from Strider. No, I don't think that you could have. I mean, and obviously you'd like to not make any mistakes, but I don't think that's a realistic standard for anybody. Even if you did lead the major leagues in strikeouts and the major leagues in wins for that matter, it wasn't going to have to be perfect, but you needed to have some kind of support from the Braves offense. The Phillies, meanwhile, I think they did just enough, clearly getting on base any which way they could. They also ran wild on Braves pitching five steals in six attempts in this game. You could tell that was a big part of what they were trying to do. But the walk to Bryce Harper, the error on a pickoff with two outs and two strikes, that I think is probably uh, 
more so than even the slider to Bryce Harper that I didn't think was a bad pitch that he hit out for the home run a few innings later. That error and the choice to throw over to first with two outs and two strikes to Bryson Stott, that might be the play, Jake. If there was one Spencer Strider wants back, that's probably it. Yeah, that's what I said kind of on the podcast, too. It's you got two strikes on this guy. You're Spencer Strider. You led the league in strikeouts. Don't worry about Bryce Harper at yeah. first base. Go get this guy and strike him out and get him out. And don't worry about that runner over at first base, which I know led to a lot of stolen bases by the Phillies because pitcher Brace pitchers tend not to worry about runners on base. But in that situation, when you're Spencer Strider, just go get the batter. Yeah, you're a pitch away from it. And he had already struck out Bryson Stott in a prior at bat. And you know, credit to some of these Phillies hitters and their ability to foul off pitches. They don't do it to Spencer quite as badly as the New York Mets have in the past. But, you know, again, I don't know how many times I could say it. This was a loss that might go on Spencer Strider's ledger, but it's a loss for the Braves offense as much as it's a, a defeat uh, all around. The walk to Harper, uh, he scored on the single by Bryson Stott with two outs. It made it one nothing. Harper then hit a home run in the sixth inning, following up his fourth inning run scored. So the first couple of runs coming across the plate were for Bryce Harper. Then in the eighth inning, we had a bizarre play that after talking to Sean Murphy after the game, and despite the fact that the replay seemed to be fairly inconclusive, a catcher's interference with the bases loaded. And that just, I think it typifies more so if it could go wrong for the Braves in game one, it kind of felt like it went wrong in, in the littlest of ways. And this was something I talked to Travis Darno about, that the series could be won or lost on the little things. And there were a couple of times, Jake, that the little things didn't happen in this game defensively that led to the Phillies being able to score not one run on maybe a solo home run, but a couple of other runs that made it feel like a little bit more or a little bit bigger of a gap that the Braves were trying to overcome. And I think it's crazy that I'm sitting here on August the 7th trying to talk about how one, two, or three runs felt like a lot against this Braves offense because that hasn't been the way we felt all year long. It, it, it hasn't, and you're absolutely right. But that third run on that catcher's interference where, you know, Pierce Johnson's a, a strike away from getting yep. out of that, you know, that did feel like a big run because then you are just kind of a bloop and a blast away from, from tying this game up. They didn't end up getting the tying run to the plate, but it just – Again, I haven't felt that way either with this Braves offense. Three runs seems like nothing for them, but there's in this game where they couldn't get anything going, and you had a chance to get out of that jam without giving up anything, and to give up a run like that, like you said, it just kind of was the way that the night was going for the Braves. It's just another kind of like back-breaking moment right there where just something didn't go their way led to a run for the Phillies. Yeah, it did. And again, if it could go wrong, it felt like it did go wrong for the Atlanta Braves. We've got a lot more to talk about here on the Braves postcast. Of course, we got to go through what the Phillies were doing on the mound and unfortunately what wasn't happening at the plate for the Braves offense on this night as well. Before we do any of that, though, got to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that is FanDuel. This edition of the Braves postcast brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. You have a lot of choices there. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at bat with their quick bet system. So again, you got all the options. Head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's get into this. Uh, unfortunately, the offense that really was not able to do what it needed to do against Ranger Suarez. Second year in a row, the Braves have seen this lefty in a game one scenario. Last year, it was a bunch of walks, not effective, somehow was able to do a, a tightrope walk, and the Phillies won that game one. 
because the Braves couldn't come up with the big hits. This game, obviously, much closer, and the control problems were not an issue for uh, Ranger Suarez. He's been battling some injuries, knew he was going to have kind of a short leash, but uh, three and two-thirds innings, one hit, one walk, four strikeouts. I think the cameras caught him in the dugout, not thrilled about being pulled from the game in that fourth inning. Philly's bullpen, though, came in after him with five and a third innings of shutout ball, four hits, two walks, and four strikeouts for those six relievers. Jeff Hoffman, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Orion Kirkering, Matt Strom, and Craig Kimbrell, of course, closed it out. Uh, Jake, you touched on this. A couple of opportunities for the Braves in this game. Uh, I looked at Ozzy Albies with a leadoff walk, and, and we've talked about this a lot, I think, uh, in the second inning. This is when it happened. But when you get a runner on, it's the opportunity to maybe spark some kind of rally. A caught stealing, though, in the second inning, short-circuited that rally. The big opportunities, though, fourth inning. Bases loaded, two outs. Michael Harris, the second, goes down on strikes. Runners on the corners, one out in the fifth. Ron Lacuna and Austin Riley both struck out. In the sixth inning, one-out single for Ozzy Albies. Marcelo Zuna lines out the short, 109 miles an hour, but right at Trey Turner. And speaking of Trey Turner, how about the eighth inning? Acuna with a leadoff walk. Riley with a single. Olsen flies out to deep left center field. And then Albies hits into a 6-4-3 double play, thanks to an incredible play by Trey Turner. And that was just the night for the Braves. Again, if it could go wrong, it, it, it did go wrong. Or if it looked like it could be right, it just wasn't working for the Braves on this night. That was the story of this offense. The game of inches that was baseball was incredibly cruel a couple of times, and that doesn't help out in a close game like this. It doesn't. And look, they just they didn't come up with the big hits. You can make all the excuses, talk about the layoffs, everything you want. They just they didn't come through. And I think I'd look mostly at you know the fifth inning and the eighth inning. You had runners on the corner in the fifth inning with Acuna coming up, the NL MVP. He takes a call, third strike, looking close call, but you just can't take that pitch, and that's a tough spot there. You got to at least get a run out of that. Riley follows it up with a strikeout as well. And then that eighth inning, I mean, Maddelson just misses it. Ozzy Albies laces one. Just an incredible play by Trey Turner. And again, it's just one of those moments in this game where Phillies make a play and they make a big play to win this game. And they just made more plays than the Braves did in this one and won the game. But you look at, you know, go, going back to the Phillies and that pitching. Uh, that they rolled out there. Suarez, a lefty, the Braves typically crush lefties, mm -hmm. but Suarez is one that's had their number. And I was a little surprised that Rob Thompson took him out as well, the way that he was just dealing in that moment. But, you know, like I said, kind of smart in the way you look at it because you got the off day on Sunday. You have Wheeler going in game two, so there's plenty of time to rest these guys. So why not go with your bullpen and those guys that you trust? But you look at every bullpen guy that came in, Hoffman had a walk. Dominguez gave up two hits. Alvarado gave up a hit. Uh, Kirkering had a walk, a leadoff walk. Strom gave up a hit. Cameron was the only one that didn't allow a base runner. Braves just could never capitalize on that. They never could get that big hit in that big spot. And again, it's just you know frustrating. I, I think they did have some chances. They certainly did, especially, like I said, that fifth and eighth inning. It's just good plays by the Phillies, some good pitches as well. And this offense just very uncharacteristically not able to come up with a big hit of some sort, not even just a home run, but only five hits in this game, all of them singles for a team that broke the record for slugging percentage in a, in a season. Yeah, it's incredible to see the lack of offensive punch here. And I, and I don't know that we can sit here and necessarily blame the layoff the way that you really could last year because it had never been a thing before. You know, what kind of adjustments could you make in the second you know go round with this? And I thought the Braves did as much as they could do. I mean, short of Jake picking up a phone and calling the L.A. Dodgers or someone 
and saying, hey, if you guys aren't busy, why don't you come on out here and we'll play three times while these other teams play three times? I mean, you're just not going to do something like and that. still, those Obviously. games don't mean anything either, so right. there's nothing on the line there. You know? right. It's just not, and I don't know if it meant like having different uniforms might help, and that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but you know, you look at what this Braves offense wasn't able to do, and that was be itself. And one thing that I know was talked a lot about was this lineup shuffle that the Braves decided on in the postseason. And while Brian Snitker, I think, has really been riding with the hot hand and sticking with a lineup that has worked a lot this season, this change, whether this is coming down from information from that analytics department, the front office, you know, the suggestions. I mean, this has been something that Brian Snitker has been open to that info and I think had the ability to kind of decide if it's something that he felt like would work for his club. I didn't hate the changes in the lineup. I didn't understand a couple of them, but the one that really got me was moving Michael Harris up to sixth. I felt like that was the move to make because everyone that hit below him is not someone that I would prioritize to get more plate appearances in any game than Michael Harris the second could get. But, you know, Austin Riley batting second, Matt Olson hitting third, Ozzie Albies hitting cleanup. I don't know that it changed a whole lot. We asked a couple of the guys after the game if it changed anything. Austin Riley said, no, I don't really feel like that's something that we were focused on. Matt Olson said the same. Brian Snitker was asked point blank in his postgame presser and said, no, once they get in the plate, they're not thinking about where they're hitting in the, in the order. They're up there competing and doing what they need to do. But still, I just kind of have to wonder, when you look at five singles, three walks, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position, they left seven men on base. Was this the way to go in a postseason game? Again, I understand why they did some of it, but I just I kind of wonder about the timing. How about you? Yeah, I, maybe I maybe I'm in the minority on this one. I, I just don't think it's a big a deal. I, I don't think it really had much of an sure. impact on the game on this one. I mean, the big change is you moved Ozzy down two spots in the order. Harris had been batting six for the last couple of weeks of the season, or at least that last week. But that's really all you did there. And I just I can't imagine. I mean, you got five hits in the game, all singles. I, I really don't think it would have impacted the game that much. Maybe a situation that a player's coming up to the plate in a big spot, but I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. If the players and coaches are telling me that it's not, then I, I got to think it really didn't have much of an impact on the game. I had no issue with them switching it up this way. I like having Ozzy behind a lefty because then if they do bring in one of their good lefties they have out of the bullpen, then they have to face Ozzy from the right side. And I certainly understand that move. So I, I did not personally think it was a big deal. Yeah, and let me follow up and, and be clear on this. I just felt like it's something worth talking about because a lot yeah. of people were talking mm -hmm. about it. I don't think this is what swung the balance of power, no pun intended, between the Braves lineup and the Phillies lineup because clearly you know, whatever order you put these guys in, it wasn't like somebody was down here getting three hits in the wrong spot of the order and could have been up with the bases loaded a couple of times. It just didn't work out that way. The Braves didn't have a whole lot of base runners. I, I kind of get you know, looking at with a lefty on the mound, Having the opportunity, Austin Riley really swings the bat well against Ranger Suarez, getting him more plate appearances in this game. You're not moving Ronald Acuna Jr. anywhere. That's pretty much the bar that I set. I don't really care what you change. As long as you leave Ronald alone, that, that seems to be fine for most people. Uh, Matt Olson, clearly, I don't think is bothered too much by lefties. Uh, he's come up with some big hits against him this year. And Michael Harris, his splits against lefties are actually pretty good. And if you do decide to go to lefty to deal with Matt Olson, as you pointed out, you got to deal with right-handed Ozzie Albies, who can be a force, and Marcelo Zuna after that for the three-batter minimum. So there were a lot of things that I think could work in this, but it's all dependent on the guys being able to get the hits. And the time in which they had to get the big hits, the Harris strikeout with the bases loaded, but Trey Turner's incredible play to start a 6-4-3 twin killing in the eighth inning, that ball Ozzie Albies hit, 
a 590 expected batting average. That quite simply, and I know some people hate this saying, but I'm going to throw it out there. Tip your cap because somebody made a play, and that was what the Phillies were doing on this night. They were making the plays, as you pointed out. Yeah, I mean, you can't say anything else other than the Phillies just won this game. They played better baseball. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now. That all can shift very quickly. If Olsen you know, gets that ball a little bit better and he puts it into the seats and it's a tie ball game, everything shifts. The whole narrative shifts in that game and possibly the series. But Phillies just made a couple of more plays than the Braves in this one. Look, they scored three three runs in this one. It's not like this was some blowout game, but – uh, you know, certainly, you know, you got to make big plays in these spots and the Braves just haven't had somebody step up and do that yet. Yeah. I mean, they scored three runs and I would say a couple of them, unfortunately for the Braves were self-inflicted wounds. The Spencer Strider pickoff that put Bryce Harper in scoring position, brought him around to score that first run. And clearly the catcher's interference, which again, as I talked about earlier, and Sean Murphy did say this after the game, he could not feel the bat, tick his glove, but he heard the sound of it. So if that's what he heard, and even if he didn't feel it, and even if the video didn't show it, it ends up being a moot point because the Braves got shut out in this game. So the third run, it's really not that big of a deal, although I know that the frustrations with replay are very real, and we see them on a semi-nightly basis. But putting all of that aside, you know, the Braves did not get the hits when they needed them. The Phillies were able to do just enough to win this baseball game. And as you so eloquently put it earlier, you got to score runs if you want to win and the Braves didn't do that. And we're going to talk about what they need to do in game two, who they've got on the mound, and some other uh, things that we want to get to after I tell you about our other great sponsor for this edition of the Braves Postcast, and that, of course, is Game Time. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy those tickets in a matter of seconds with two taps on the app, and you're set. The tickets are sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email to find them. Snag those tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but create that account, redeem the code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk about Game Two of the NLDS. If uh, Game One was a must-win, Jake, now that the Braves are down a one in the series, Game Two becomes a must-must win, and they're going to have Max Fried on the mound for this one against Zach Wheeler who uh, obviously is already thrown in the postseason, going against the Marlins in game one of the wild card. Freed on the regular season, only 14 starts under his belt, 8-1 and one with a 255 ERA. Zach Wheeler went 13-6 and six with a 361 mark. Freed got one start against the Phillies. It came in September. It was five innings of one-run ball. Wheeler faced the Braves three times, 2-0 and oh, with a 332 ERA, but the Braves hit four home runs off Zach Wheeler this year as well. He's going to pile up his strikeouts, but this, I think, is when you think about the postseason and the great pitching matchups and, and the staff aces being able to go head-to-head, this would be an example of that. Max Fried, the lefty for the Braves, and righty Zach Wheeler on the mound for the Phillies. Great pitching matchup here. Look, if the Braves' backs are against the wall. I mean, there's no doubt you can't drop the first two games at home and then go to Philly down 0-2. you got to have a win here, and there's nobody else I'd rather have on the mound than Max Fried. I know he said on Saturday he feels good, he feels strong, and blisters not there, and that's great to hear. You know, that could obviously pop up at any moment, but certainly hope that's not the case because the Braves need him. They need him to throw a gym, and they need this offense to get going. I don't care who it is on the mound on the other side. Zach Wheeler's a great pitcher. The Braves have gotten to him before. As you mentioned, got all those home runs against him when they faced him in Philadelphia. So they know him. They're very familiar with him. Doesn't make it that much easier when a guy has that good of stuff, but offense has to find a way to wake up and get going. They definitely do. And, and like you said, it doesn't matter who it is. And that's kind of one of the things that's been the hallmark of this offense is that it really hasn't mattered on a given night who exactly does it because multiple guys, one through nine, are capable 
of being the one that comes up with a big hit or hits that the Braves need in this one. Uh, you talked about Max Fried and that blister and hearing from him. And let me tell you, he answered more questions about a blister than I've ever heard anybody answer in my entire life. And that includes Max Fried, who used to have to talk about this quite a lot, coming up through the minors and maybe his first year or two. But he really had not had a, a major recurrence of this, especially one that was causing him to miss you know, multiple starts or to skip starts at the end of the year. Uh, he did throw with the bandage on and used it on his uh, side sessions as well. But Max said, quite frankly, the blister is gone. It's not visible anymore. But, you know, we'll see how the weather might affect it. He said his last outing in Washington, it was not a particularly hot and humid night, but the blister was still an issue for him. So he's just going to have to deal with it. I think he said, you know, a while back, and we've talked about this multiple times, if it had been the postseason, it was something he would try to pitch through and push his way through and will himself, uh, you know, on to continue pitching. Well, you don't have to do that at the end of the regular season. So I understand it, but it's got to at least be in the back of the mind of the Braves that, you know, you don't want to see this pop up again. But again, uh, as you pointed out, there are some things that they need to do. And one of them is to score some runs. The other one is to get a good start from Max Freed and hopefully turn that into a victory at Freed. I think Jake has, you know, had the postseason experience that you want somebody to have that's in this position when you're down 0-1 in a series. And that might have been kind of part of the calculus of how the Braves utilize Freed in the training scenario and the practice game and why they chose to go with Spencer Strider in game one was knowing that you did have a viable guide to go in game two, just in case things didn't go your way in that first contest. Yeah, and certainly, you know, you have the opportunity to do that and with Strider and his numbers against the Phillies. I think it made sense. It also made sense to give Freed a little bit more rest and set him up if you need game five, which, look, after losing game one, I think right now you're shooting and hoping that you're going to get a game five and unless you're just going to sweep these next three, which I'd be all on board for. But, you know, Max Freed, he's had his ups and downs in the postseason, but you know what he's capable of doing. Nobody in this Braves fans are ever going to forget game six of the World Series yeah. and just how he shut things down there. He could have pitched. 30 innings, I think, and and never given up anything that night. So it's certainly what he's capable of doing, and Braves are going to need it. But again, like we've said, and so greatly put so many times, you don't score runs, you can't win, and certainly this offense has to get going. Yeah, and Max also said, in addition to not having the blister be an issue for him, he doesn't feel like right now that it has healed up. He's night and day different than he was a year ago when he was ill and was just really unable to give the Braves the kind of start they needed in the NLDS. He's not having to deal with that this time around. He's able to keep his arm going. He's able to work his way through, throw his pitches in the training scenario, and hopefully he's ready to go out and give the Braves a quality start against Zach Wheeler, who's one of the better right-handed pitchers you'll find in all the National League. And the Braves have had this number a time or two before. They beat him in the postseason last year. Can they do it again in Game 2 here a year later? It's Max Fried against Zach Wheeler in Game 2. Phillies up 1-0 in the National League Division Series. This one will come your way on Monday at Truist Park at 6.07 p.m. Eastern time, first pitch, as the Braves and Phillies will battle it out. One more note before we get out of here. I talked about this at the very, very top of the show, but some unfortunate injury news that came out before this uh, game got going, Jake, as Brian Snitker confirmed that Kyle Wright is done for the season. He's going to undergo a shoulder surgery. That's going to happen soon. He's going to be out for the entire 2024 season. I caught up with Kyle Wright briefly after the game. He said it's going to be a surgery to repair a torn capsule in his shoulder. At least that's what he anticipates it being. And if they open it up and find that that's what it is, this is going to be a long rehab process for Kyle. He tried to grind his way through this. He wanted to be part of this postseason run. He gave it everything he had, but it pretty much got to the point where 
They had, I think, put it off as long as they could. They had hoped that it wasn't going to be something major, but this last round of imaging really confirmed that they needed to go in and get this thing fixed. But uh, a blow for the Braves for the postseason, not having Kyle Wright available here in 2023, obviously, but now knowing he's not going to be around in 2024 either, that one stings in addition to obviously losing a playoff game. Just not a great day's worth of news on, on the Braves' front. Yeah, it started off with bad news with the Kyle Wright stuff that we got early in the day and then finished pretty bad as well, getting shut out by the Phillies. So uh, a day the Braves fans probably want to forget pretty soon. Hate it for Kyle Wright, you know, guy trying to fight so hard and get back and and contend and compete with the Braves and be a part of this run that they're having and just wasn't able to do so. You hope it didn't do any more damage, but which of those shoulders, they're always scary, and it just seemed like this was kind of where it was going inevitably. So you know, get it cleaned up, hopefully. Going to miss all of next year, but hopefully come back strong. Just hope that's the case for Kyle Wright. You know, a guy that's worked really hard, a guy that really struggled to find a place at the big leagues and finally did, won 21 games. And then now he has this pretty much going to be two lost seasons for him and, you know, the middle of his his prime. So you really hate that for Kyle Wright and hope he can come back strong. Yeah, and the tough thing about this was, and I talked to Kyle quite a few times over the course of the season, was that they did some rounds of imaging they didn't really see something that, you know, you don't want to just go have a surgery just to have a surgery, particularly on your shoulder. Because as we know, you know, if you've got an elbow deal, everybody's pretty much got that down to a science and it's not quite as invasive as having a shoulder problem. And now uh, for Kyle, unfortunately, it's going to be a long road that he's going to have to navigate from that um, that rehab side of things. And he was trying to kind of, you know, gut his way through it and find a way to get back on the mound and, you know, be effective. But he said the lost velocity really told him that it was time to figure it out because he was reaching back for everything he had. And it was 93, 94, and he was just trying to get it anywhere close to the plate. You saw him throw a lot of curveballs as well in his return from the injured list. Mm-hmm. That I think was one of the big reasons for that. So you hate to see that for Kyle Wright. And it clearly is the Braves you know, trying to figure out what the future of their rotation is going to be. It, it could be very interesting next year. We don't know what the status of Charlie Morton's going to be. If he's going to be back, obviously Max Fried's in his final year with the club and, Kyle Wright's not going to pitch. Maybe Ian Anderson's back in the equation, but uh, the Braves are going to have a few questions to answer over the winter. But uh, you know, first things first, the Braves would like their season to go on as long as it can. So clearly uh, the job is to win a few baseball games here in October and push this thing the whole distance because Atlanta has put up a, an incredible season and would mu- very much like to have an incredible October to go along with all the winning they did over the 162, Jake. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's been a, an incredible regular season. You hate for that to be diminished by, you know, a quick exit in the postseason. So it's going to be up to these guys. Again, like I've been saying, somebody's going to have to t- turn the momentum because Philadelphia has all the confidence after what they did last year, playing good baseball down the stretch. They got all the confidence right now, but this Braves team is way too talented to just go out like this. But somebody's got to step up, make a big play, make a big hit to turn this thing around. Yeah, and the Braves certainly have the personnel to be capable of doing that. Uh, maybe the day off Sunday, a good workout, and the opportunity to come back out on Monday behind Max Freed and even this thing up, go up to Philly at the very least. A split there would bring it home for a game five in which the Braves would maintain what they worked so hard for all season long, and that, I think, was the opportunity to have home field advantage throughout the postseason. That's going to wrap things up here for this edition of the Braves Postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Click the bell. You get notified every time we drop a new episode. Leave us those likes and comments. Share the show with a friend and subscribe to Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. Once again, the Phillies take game one of the National League Division Series from the Braves. They do so by a 3-0 score. We'll be back at you after game two on Monday. For Jake Mastroianni, I'm Grant McCauley. We will catch you next time. And until then, so long. 
Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 